hope and I pray that you have had a few moments in the past couple of weeks where God has kind of like alerted you, stress, stress, bam, 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 and the lights are flashing, and you say, oh, yes, I don't need to stress. I'm going to rest. I'm going to rest. That doesn't mean, as we've been saying, do nothing. That means continue to do what you're doing. Get the anxiety out of it and say, God, you've got this. Instead of me worrying about maybe I don't, I'm not enough to take care of this situation. You know, the devil comes at us with lots of lies, and that's one of the big ones. You're just not enough. You're never going to get this figured out. What are you trying for anyway? Usually anything that you do, it just doesn't work out. But you know what? God is in it. When we release our stress. Can you just mute me for a second here? All right, good, thank you. So here's what we're going to do this morning. We're going to do a really quick review, but I want to get to the place where we're going to sit in the presence of God and just know that we operate from a place of victory and not from defeat. This, this is a little ditty that God gave me, and I don't know why everything rhymes. Maybe just because I work with kids, you know. And <laughs> it just comes out that way. But he says, I'm on, he says, you are on a quest for rest, release for peace, because I'm just too blessed to be stressed. And what I like about that is that it rhymes. No, what I like about that is that it gives me direction and it gives me focus. Instead of focusing on the things that sometimes I cannot even control, and there's a, there's a hot word for you, how many of us need to just release control over things? Yeah, okay. <laughs> I didn't really need a show of hands, but you were being very honest and humble. Thank you for that vulnerability. But yeah, sometimes our stress is just caused by the fact that we feel like we have to be in control of everything. And guess what? You don't have to be, and you are not. <laughs> and as the Holy Spirit uh, reminds me often, it says, you are not the Holy Spirit, but I am. And sometimes we take up a false sense of responsibility, like I have to fix people that doesn't work, and I have to fix every situation. Okay, yes, there are times that we are called to be a part of the solution, but taking that on as a pressure and heaviness, there's something wrong with that. Now we have turned to ourselves as a source. Sometimes our thinking is, if I can take care of everything out here and I get everything functioning the way it's supposed to be in here, then I'll have peace on my inside. But I'll tell you what, if you, without Jesus, there still will not be peace. Because without Jesus, there is no rest. Jesus is our rest. So I, I believe just the opposite is true. If you will declutter the confusion and the pressure on the inside, learn to live a life of rest and release and you know what? There's a trade-off there. I'm going to trade in my stress for rest. God offers it. I'm going to, I'm going to trade in my, um, my chaos for his order. I'm going to trade in my feelings of fear for power, love, and a sound mind. Now, there's a good trade, right? And so these are things that God is saying. You're hanging on to this, but if you'll release it to me, and we, we, we kind of coined another phrase in this, sec, in this lesson or these three weeks, is that first we're going to let not. 
Because the scripture says, let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. So whose responsibility is it to do the let not? Ours. Okay, so now we're hooking ours with the Holy Spirit. Because he says, if you will let not and you will let go, then you're letting God. So it's a let not, let go, let God way of life. And I want to give um, some kudos here to a book that I've really enjoyed used for a lot of um, kind of inspiration of what we're doing here. I I recommend this book uh, by Joseph Fritz called Living the Let Go Life. And so um, I'm going to write to him, tell him that um, I added a little bit to that title by saying let not let go and let God, but, you know, he he started it right here. So there we go. But um, I would highly recommend it. It's a very good book. It's been really good to focus on that here. Um, Can you do us a few shout-outs? What are some other words, when you hear the word stress, what are some other words that might describe that condition? What does that feel like? What are some other words? Can you just shout out? Say again. Tired, Tired, fatigue. Okay, yeah? Paralyzed. Paralyzed. Okay, stress and feeling paralyzed. Say again. Sad. Sad. Sad, okay. Good. Not good. Bad. (laughs) But you're right. You're right. Yes. Heaviness. Yeah. Stress and heaviness. Depressed. Yeah. Sick. Okay. Overwhelmed. Yeah. Big one. I agree. Yeah. Good. Pressure. Yeah. Heaviness. Pressure. Yeah. (laughs) We talked about... um, my Instapot, <laughs> how it cooks under pressure. We're not supposed to live our life in an Instapot. We're not supposed to be building pressure, 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 because unfortunately what happens with a lot of pressures, you end up blowing. You don't want to blow your top, right? But sometimes we do. And so God doesn't design us to do that. And that's why we want, like I said, we don't want to pat stress on the head and say, well, this is just my life. Because you know what? Something might not change out here, but that doesn't mean you have to live under it. All right? God has given us victory over it. And so when we're under it, it's like an elephant sitting on your chest. There's pressure. There's heaviness. There may be depression. You know what depression oftentimes is caused by is a feeling of helplessness and hopelessness because there's nothing that we can do about that situation. Sometimes it's true that there's nothing that we can do about that situation. Sometimes it's not true. Sometimes that's a lie from the, from the pit of hell. But no matter what side of the spectrum that lands on, God is able And to plug into his source of power, love, and a sound mind. Um, We know that scripture very well, 2 Timothy 1.7. I was reminded that God has not given me a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. There's that trade again. I just wanted to, to say this about a spirit of fear. If there is something that controls your thinking... And it literally uh, stirs up a physical feeling of fear. And it's kind of always um, like there's triggers that you walk through. And this is kind of a consistent thing that happens in your life. It's very possible that you've opened a door to the spirit of fear. It's a spirit of fear. 
There are natural fears that come, and we look at them and we go, yeah, that scares me. I don't like spiders. I don't like heights. Okay, well, we can get over that, but that's not necessarily a spirit of fear, okay? But when this thing controls and it influences, it literally is taking up real estate in your heart, in your mind, and your emotions. And this is, might be a hard saying, but that is also a sign that you have opened a door to a spirit of fear. And I don't want to go through my whole testimony. I, I tried to tell part of it last week. But there was a time in my life when God brought me back to a thing that had happened when I was a very young girl. And this was when I was dealing with a spirit of fear. And I will tell you, I didn't know it was a spirit of fear. And I didn't resist it. I just thought, this is just the way I am. But it was like my mind my imagination was hijacked, and I felt like I was powerless. I felt paralyzed. That was a word somebody said. And this fear was heart-gripping, bone-chilling, and it escalated. Weird things started to happen. I'm not going to give the devil glory, but he took it, and he ran with it, and I felt like, what is wrong with me? I was a born-again Christian serving God in the church, you know, trying to raise my kids to, to love God. And these things just escalated and escalated. And I felt powerless to a point where I said one day, I just want to gather my kids and stay home and be safe. And that was my turning point. I went, no, God, I know that's not what you have for me. Something is wrong here. Show me what's going on. And he brought me back to a time when I was five or six years old. And I was moving things around in my, my closet. And I thought, God, I don't remember. I mean, Put it this way. I remembered it happening, but I'm going, why are you showing me this? And as I watched this thing happen, like I was watching it um, as a five- and six-year-old little girl again, suddenly a spider ran out. And I remember, oh, my goodness, that really happened. And it scared me so bad that I jumped on my bed, and the spider disappeared. So I didn't know where it was. I'm stuck on my bed. I'm sure the spider is crawling all over me. And I thought, wow. God, that's amazing that you're showing me this, but I don't get it. Why are you showing me this? And this was a good, goodness, my kids were really young. So I have to say at least 20 years ago where I was dealing with the spirit of fear that had become very controlling in my emotions in my life. I had given it lots of real estate, lots. It had built a stronghold of fear. And so what happened was I said, Holy Spirit, that's amazing. I know that really happened. But what are you trying to tell me? What are you showing me? And he said, this was the time that you opened the door to fear. And I went, oh, my. As a young child, the devil wants to come and plant seeds of destruction. And that door had been opened. And I looked back over my life, and there was such a pattern of things that I had done that where I had responded to a spirit of fear. Made some really bad choices. Broke off an engagement. Shouldn't have. I married him anyway, <laughs> but it was all fear-based. I made a lot of choices based on fear. I went to a college that I just hit rock bottom. It's like, God, what am I doing here? I made fear-based decisions, and it really controlled my life. But the Holy Spirit said, the good news is we can close that door today. And I did. I closed the door, and I said, God, help me. Alert me when that trigger comes. Help me to do what I need to do to overcome this spirit of fear. And so every time this little thing started happening, like the, the devil wanted to take my mind and show me horrible things that used to be triggers, I would say, no, in Jesus' name. The resisting 
of what the devil wants to do in our lives. You know, there's a scripture, I, I think it might be in Revelation, I didn't look it up, where there's going to be the day when the, God is going to let us see the devil in his real form, and we're going to look at him and go, what? He had me on the run, and he's this puny, runt, little, toothless nothing? defeated because Jesus already stripped him of all of his weapons and I was afraid of that but you know what we can we can know that today the devil is already under your that's right and we need to live in such a way so here we're talking about fear but I really believe that stress which is kind of the popular buzzword these days everybody's stressed out well it is describing a lot of the, these things that you're talking about. I really believe that it's very fear-based. And you know what? There's no condemnation if you feel afraid. It's the next step that counts. What are you going to do about it? Where are you going to go? Where's your source of hope? Where's your source of strength? This past month, um, as many of you know, I, I do a... Um, music program that I developed. I call it We Love Music, W-E-E for the Little Ones. And we're in 10 daycares around um, the city. Um, we see over 500 kids a month. I have a couple people um, working with me, Amy's included. And we always get to do, well, in most of our daycares, we get to do a Bible verse. And I love to do the um, Hide Him in Your Heart, Steve Green. And um, he's just got cute little songs. We use some actions, and we talk about... Um, a, a spiritual truth. And this month, I've been using the scripture, when I am afraid, I will trust in you, in God whose word I praise. In God, I have put my trust. I shall not be afraid, because what can mere man do to me? And that's found in Psalm 58, 3 and 4. And so I asked the kids, I said, do you ever feel afraid? And of course, the brave boys say, I'm never afraid, except when I'm laying in my bed and there's monsters in the closet, you know. So they all have these little fears. And I said, you know what? I'm afraid sometimes too. But then I say, this is, this is the hilarious part. So we always sing a good morning song so they know we're getting started. We do an action song, get all the wiggles out, and then we sit down for the word. And they can be just being squirrely and talking and moving around. And I, and I start a story and I say, there once was a boy named David. And they all sit up. And they're ready to listen. They love stories. And I said, he was a shepherd. And he took care of, bah! say, goats. No, sheep. He took care of sheep. And, you know, shepherds have to take good care of their sheep because sheep don't know where to eat. They don't know where to sleep. They need a shepherd, and they cannot take care of themselves if there's danger. And I said, and one day, a great big brown furry came into the camp. And they said, a dinosaur. I said, no, brown furry. No, it's a bear. And I said, and David looked at and I said, do you know what bears eat? Bears eat. They eat sheep, not goats, sheep. And so I said, but you know what David said? David looked at that bear. He says, oh, no, you don't. You're not going to eat my sheep. And God made him brave and strong. And David killed the bear that day. Well, another day, a great big roar came into the camp. A dinosaur. No, not a dinosaur. A lion. And do you know what lions eat? Lions eat. It's like, oh, no. Lions eat sheep, too. What did David do? 
Well, David looked at that lion. He says, oh, no, you don't. You're not going to eat my sheep. And the kids are starting to get it. And they're rising up a little bit. And they're waving their finger. And I, say, <laughs> I said, and David looked at that lion. He says, I'm gonna, I, you're not going to eat my sheep. And God made him brave and strong. And do you know what David did that day? He killed the lion. Say, wow, isn't it amazing what God can do? So one day there was a giant in the land. And he was so big, he's taller than the ceiling. And I said, and he was not a nice giant. He was really mean, and he didn't love God. He says, I don't believe in your God. Send a man to fight me. And David looked at that giant. He says, oh, no, you don't. You're not going to talk about my God that way. And he said, today... My God will make me brave and strong. He helped me kill the bear. He helped me kill the lion. Surely he will take care of you. And the kids by this time are going, yes, I can be brave and strong. And I said, but you know what even David said? Sometimes he felt afraid. But this is what he's going to do. When I am afraid, I will trust in you. What are you going to do when you feel afraid? And here's the word for trust. And we kind of embellish this a little bit, but it's a word picture to help them realize that when you need help, the word trust looks like this. It's like somebody's throwing you a rope, and you grab, and you hang on. And it's like God's on the other side. He says, I'm here. I'm bringing you in. Don't you be afraid. I'm here to help you and to rescue you. And I tell them, I said, don't you let anybody talk you out of that rope. You hang on to that rope because God is always always, always there to help us when you feel afraid. And I say, show me your Bible book. And I say, God promises I will never, 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 ever, never, never, ever, never, ever, never, 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 ever, ever, ever leave you. Even when you're laying in your bed and you start having some bad thinkings, just remember who's there with you. God will always be there. You can trust in him. And I gave that lesson one time. One of the teachers said to me, she goes, where have you been all my life? She said, administered to her. And I just tell you that because, you know what? It's so simple, isn't it? To really trust. Like a child, hang on to that rope. God is there to give us what we need. He will help you face your giants. In fact, he will put your giants on the run because he will make you brave and strong. Amen? Amen. All right. So, um... We talked a lot last week about the, the scriptures in Matthew 6 where Jesus is ministering on the Sermon on the Mount. And he says, but seek first all of his kingdom and his righteousness. And then all these things, the things that we worry about, you know, the everyday daily things. Sometimes it's provisions, sometimes it's situations, sometimes it's people. He says, but if you will seek Aim at and strive after, first of all, his kingdom and his righteousness, his way of doing things. He will order these things out here, and he will provide. And, you know, we think we're going to seek his kingdom and his righteousness. And we talked about righteousness is right standing, not right doing. You know, you are not made righteous because you're so good. We cannot be good enough to be called righteous. We would have to be perfect. But there was only one person who was, and that was Jesus. And he came in the flesh to fulfill the law which required perfection, and he was the only one who could do it. And he said, I'll do it in your place. The punishment that we deserve because we fail and we are not able to fulfill every part of the law, 
was fulfilled by Jesus on our behalf. And so we say, well, what is the kingdom? We're supposed to seek his kingdom. Well, Romans 4.17 says, For the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. So we're seeking first God's ways, aiming for his life to become manifest in my life. I'm seeking after you not seeking after the thing. I'm not going to seek to get my need fulfilled without seeking you first. And I'm not putting my pursuit in front of my pursuit of you because we can become very consumed by all the physical things happening in our lives. And like I said, it's not being irresponsible. It doesn't mean we quit our jobs and, and be frivolous and lazy or doing nothing. It's doing everything we need to do from a place of rest with a place of focus. God, I, I really need your wisdom today. I really need some direction today. And this righteousness. We're putting the kingdom of God in his righteousness. If we seek after our own righteousness to do things good enough to be loved by God, that kind of righteousness the Bible calls filthy rags. Thinking that I can do anything to gain favor from God to be a better person because he wants my performance. He says, I don't want your performance. I want your heart. Jesus already did it perfectly, and now he gifts us. So let's talk about two really key scriptures to help us understand what that righteousness position looks like. Philippians 3, 9 says, and may be found in him. This is talking about us. We are found in Christ, believing and relying on him, not having... Any self-achieved righteousness of my own. That would be everything we do in our own effort to think that we're gaining any favor from God. But my obedience to the law and its rituals, those are, there are good things to do, but they don't gain us any favor with God. It's that possessing that genuine righteousness, right, that comes through faith in Christ, the truly right standing with God, which comes from God on the basis of faith. When we look at our lives, we say, I'm not righteous. I do dumb things. I still fail. I make mistakes. I don't do it perfectly. And he says, it's not about you. It's about what Jesus has done for you. Jesus' obedience is our righteousness. And so we think we have to do, 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 but Jesus says it's already been done, 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 right? He said, it is finished. He completed that. And Philippians tells us here that righteousness comes through faith. And it's on the basis of faith that we can call ourselves righteous. So here's what I really like about that. When we seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, then all these things will be added to us. All these cares that we have, God's going to order and to supply. And so the last verse in that, that uh, chapter 6 says, so Jesus says, so don't worry. Don't be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will have worries and anxieties of its own. Sufficient for each day is, is its own trouble. Do you know when we're all you know, riled up and wound up, worried and anxious about the future, which we don't know, we can't predict, we can't control most of the time, we miss out on the joys of today. And so Jesus is saying, be present in today, enjoy today. Tomorrow will be another today. <laughs> and it's got its own set of worries, it's got its own trouble. So enjoy today, don't be anxious, don't lose out on what the blessings are for today. 
by worrying about tomorrow. So that's part of our righteousness, right standing with God. It gives us a right to do that. Romans 5.17 talks about righteousness too. It says, for if by the one man's offense death reigned through the one, and we're talking about when sin came into the world, it came through Adam. So death reigned and sin reigned through Adam. Much more those who receive abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness will reign in life through the one Jesus Christ. And I believe conquering the sense of overwhelm, stress, anxiety, and fear is where God wants us to reign in life. Through Jesus by receiving the abundance of grace and a gift of righteousness. So how do you receive a gift? Do you reach, somebody wants to give you something, you reach in your wallet and say, how much did that cost? Can I pay you for that, please? And they say, no, I want to give this to you. But you can say, no, thank you. I, I can walk away from that. That's too much. I don't deserve that. And you'll never receive the gift. But God is offering this gift of righteousness. He said, I call you righteous based on Jesus, not based on you. You can fail, you can fail, you can fail. But I still call you righteous. And you think, oh, well, then I can just go out and sin, right? doesn't really matter. My obedience doesn't matter. Oh, it does. Because though sin doesn't unravel your righteousness, it will unravel your life. But when we receive the gift of righteousness, I'll tell you what it does to me. It humbles me and say, God, I don't deserve this, but thank you that you did it for me. It's an expression of his love. So I really believe, ladies, one of the main things I want you to take away is that you are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus that positions you to be in a place of, of power and freedom from all these things that want to stress and to weigh and to weigh us down and know that we're always plugging into our heavenly supply. Isaiah 54, 14, this is really important. If you're righteous, then we need to embrace it. And so this is talking about us. In righteousness, you shall be established. We need to be established in that understanding that God calls you righteous. Right standing with him. You shall be far from oppression. You shall not fear and from terror, for it shall not even come near you. So let's talk about how do we know when we are established in righteousness? Well, first of all, we begin to experience this freedom from oppression. And really, oppression is an Old Testament word for stress and heaviness and overwhelm. So when we're more established in who we are in Christ and what he's done for us that we don't deserve, we begin to see that the stress is no longer controlling. It says in this, for you shall not fear. So we begin to see fears disappear. And that we become far from terror because it will not come near you. And you can speak in the face of danger and say, danger, terror, terrorist. You're not coming near me because I'm established in my righteousness. I know my God has called me righteous, and I'm going to rest and rely on that. So that helps us when we see that we're established in righteousness. If we continually struggle with that letting go, letting go, letting God, then perhaps yet you're still needing to be established in your righteousness. Right standing with God. Receive it as a gift by faith. So... Isaiah 30, 15 says, 
In returning and rest, you shall be saved. In quietness and confidence shall be your strength. I love that. It's a picture of being confidently quiet. And I think just that's not mean never talking. I think that's being quiet on the inside. That's working again from a place of rest, resting in him, saved from stress, worry, and the effects of fear, making choices that I'm going to be quiet and confident, and God is going to strengthen me. He's my strength. Sometimes we have to return because we go down the road of stress and say, er, stop, okay. This feeling that I have, I just lost my peace. I'd rather get back to that peace of God and allow it to reign and rule and to control so that I can be led by his peace and live in his peace. Let's talk real quickly um, about John 15, verses 4 through 5. Very familiar scriptures. Jesus is speaking to his disciples. He says, Abide in me, and I in you. As a branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. And he says, I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. Can I say this? Be a branch. Be a branch. You are not the vine. You are not the source. The branch cannot grow. It will not bear fruit. It will shrivel up and die if it becomes separated from the vine. The branch is nothing without the vine. The branch can do nothing without the vine. So Jesus put things into perspective for us. He says, I'm the vine. You're the branch. Now, how hard does a branch have to work? How much effort does a branch go through to bear fruit? No, it just rests. It just stays connected to its life source. And when we worry and when we stress, it's like we're disconnecting from our life source. And it doesn't work. And I know so many of you, I hear this so much, and I praise God for it. We are hungering and thirsting after more, aren't we? You're here because you have this desire to get that intimate relationship. You want to see more fruit abounding in your life. And sometimes we feel like, what do I have to do? I have to work so hard. And it's, Jesus says, no, just be a branch. I'm the vine. I supply. If you will rest and trust in me, it kind of brings us back to that first picture, um, uh, that uh, uh, a vision that there were these golden tubes coming down from heaven, and every tube was supplying um, this beautiful blessing and like oil in different areas of our life until there was fear and worry and any area that we are not trusting and resting and just being a branch gets squeezed off of the supply. The supply never stops. The supply is always there. God promises to provide his grace for today. He promises to be our life source, and yet when we worry, it's like we're just pinching off in that one area. So learning to abide means don't leave. Continue to be present. Don't break yourself off from your life source. And it's a consistent relationship. So our position is to just stay connected. And there's a beautiful result. I want to say effortless because a branch, like I said, doesn't have to work at it. It becomes part. It's, it's a natural result of staying connected to the vine. You stay healthy. You bear much fruit. And you begin to see that working in your lives. So recognize your position of rest. Recognize that you cannot produce your own fruit, but 
when you stay connected to the vine in that resting, trusting relationship. The vine is well-rooted. The vine is, is drawing the nutrition and nutrients from the soil and therefore bringing it to you, through you, and then the beautiful fruit begins to blossom and, and bloom. So we just rest and abide. Stay connected to your source. So what does life as a branch look like? Hmm. So when you're faced with a stressful situation, your vine supplies you with his peace. When you need to make an important decision, your vine supplies you with his wisdom. When you have given up hope, your vine renews your hope in him. When you're tired and weary, your vine provides strength to flow through you and revive you with his energy. That's the life of a branch, staying connected to the vine. It's life source. It's a life of rest, and then we get to enjoy the benefits. So it's a very profound truth. It almost seems too easy, but again, we always think we have to do, 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 and God is saying, let me do it in you. He says, that's how the vine and the branch works. So our part to play is simply to rest. So when we are at rest, we are trusting that our supply is met through Jesus for every demand of our lives. And let's go to Philippians 2.13. For it is not your strength, but it is God who is effectively at work in you, both to will and to work, that is strengthening, energizing, and creating in you the longing and the ability to fulfill your purpose for his good pleasure. Isn't that beautiful? Here you are, just a branch. Right? Not just a branch. You're a lovely branch. <laughs> and we're staying connected to this, this strong, life-giving vine. And here again, it's God who is making that happen. God who is effectively at work in you, both the will. You know, you don't even have the want to, to grow and to be, have that intimate relationship with God without the Holy Spirit. Do you realize that that desire that's stirred up inside of you, the reason you're here is that there's a drawing. We don't, even, we don't even get to take credit for that. How about that? Because you are being drawn in by the vine. You see the need in your life. And so we're going to plug into the only source that will supply and the only source that will satisfy. And that is the strengthening, the energizing, and creating in you the longing and the ability to fulfill your purpose for his good pleasure. It's a beautiful picture of how the branch and the vine worked together. So that's where we can let not, let go, and let God, right? We trust in his care, his love, and we can surrender to that because you can trust him. Hang on to your rope. You can trust in God even when we feel afraid. And Jesus says, without me, you can do nothing. But we can face our giants. And I like to say, I said it before, Put your giants on the run. Put your giants on the run. This is a question, though. Are your problems bigger than God? Or is God bigger than your problems? When we're not resting in him and not trusting in him, we're saying, God, I've got this. This is too big for you. I can handle this. And then we get defeated, don't we? Or we get overwhelmed. Or it becomes a pressure. It becomes a burden. I like... Uh, I said last week, those should be things that are like red flags. It's like, okay, 
what's going on here? I'm feeling heaviness. I'm feeling a burden. I'm feeling pressure. I can pray through. I can let go and release and find what I need by staying connected to the vine. Don't forget that you have the Holy Spirit. He's called our helper, our guide, our standby, our advocate. We don't do anything without the help of the Holy Spirit. And that we don't work from a place, we don't live from a place of defeat, ladies. Oftentimes I know we feel defeated, but remember that Jesus already uh, makes us victorious through him. So we can claim our victory not before we, well, let's say it, not after it's all said and done, but claim your victory before you see the end result, because God is calling you victorious. He says, I'll make you victorious. Through Jesus Christ, you are already victorious. These situations that seem overwhelming to you, I've got this. And you can just thank God that we can live from a place of victory, because victory is already ours in Jesus. We are not defeated. You are victorious. We're going to run at our giants today. I would like to take the next seven or eight minutes. And I'm just going to invite you to just get real quiet before God. And this song so ministers to me. It's victory in Jesus. Victory belongs to Jesus. But since it belongs to Jesus, now it belongs to us. And whatever it is that you have felt defeated by... This is your opportunity to say, no, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to receive my victory in Jesus this morning. If you want to get up and walk around, if you want to come up front and sit down, if you want to stand and raise your hands, we're going to stay in this place and just allow the Holy Spirit to help us in areas that we feel defeated this morning so that we leave knowing that he has already put us in a place of victory. Who can stand against the Lord? No one can. No one will. Who can stand against the King? No one can. No one will. Oh, oh. Victory belongs to Him. Oh, oh, victory belongs to Jesus. Victory belongs to Him. Who can stand against nobody? Oh, 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 oh,
because our victory ultimately is found in you. I feel like we just need to commit. We commit. We make a choice to stay connected to our life source, Lord Jesus. We make a choice to let go of worries and receive trust in its place. We make a choice to resist fear 
and you made a promise to release power, love, and a sound mind. We receive that right now, God. We will not continue in the same path that had become our normal. We have a new normal. We have a new default setting. We are now so connected to the vine that we know that you are our life source and we can't do anything without you. But good news, he's already won the victory on our behalf. And therefore, we are victorious. So Father, send us away with that knowing. Continue to teach us what that looks like. By your Holy Spirit, alert us when things get heavy and we've done it again. We're trying to be our own life source, but we can connect to you and receive everything, the fullness of God in every situation. We just thank you and praise you that you washed us, renewed us, re-energized us, and drawn us ever near this morning. We thank you for that. We thank you and we praise you for that. Let's just sit in his presence for a moment before we dismiss. Watch what you say. If you say, I am depressed, then you've embraced. Speak what I say over you. You are beautiful. I will help you to walk lightly and freely. Will you release that to me? Say, I, am, I have the joy of the Lord rising up inside of me. Not because you feel it, but because that's what the Bible says. The truth of the word of God will overrun, overcome a feeling that we have when we surrender it to the life source of the vine. And that's where that new fruit will abound. In a place where there was deadness, God will bring new life. Because you've stayed connected to the vine in that one place. And for that depression, he will spring forth joy and peace and love in a whole new place of growth for you, a new fruit to abound to your account. And it will be a fruit that remains as long as you remain connected to the vine. It's a beautiful life of a branch. <laughs> I believe that was a word from the Lord, so we just receive that. We're going to watch what we say. And we're going to say what you say about us so that that becomes life in dead places and will bear new fruit and good fruit and we just thank you and praise you that's exciting Lord that gives us hope that gives us encouragement that means that we don't have to go down the same path that we thought was our life oh God you have so many so much better for us a hope and a future and we just trust you hang on to your rope ladies you trust in him he'll never let you down Jesus' name. Nancy's got a word she wants me to read. When I ask you to step out, do it afraid and watch me go before you. That's beautiful. Amen. That was God. That was God. Amen.